Hey everybody, Richard Harrison, Scott Lees here with another episode of the Surf and Sales podcast. We are quickly approaching the 60th episode uh, within less than about mm, maybe 100 days. So we've been working and, and grinding for a while and we're happy to do it because we think it's been a lot of fun for us and, and certainly for uh, our, our guests, which leads us to our next guest for today uh, is the one and only Mr. Scott Ingram. Um, Scott likes to be known as an account, a quota carrying sales rep, um, even at this stage of his career, although he's done a ton of stuff with the sales success world, uh, the inspired marketing podcast relationship one, he's just, he's kind of all over the place, right? So it, we're, we're so glad he could find some time to, to chat with us. So Scott, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. We've been looking forward to this. So it'll be interesting to see how confused I get between the two Scots today. So um, I think it's confusing for you. Try being us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if it, there's a, there's a, you know, the LinkedIn series that um, Mr. Ingram did and there's Scott Barker is also on it. And I think there's another, isn't there four of us? There's who's four the, Scots. Yeah. Who's the fourth that I'm thinking? Scott Douglas Clary. See, it's just four of us. So four the fourth Scots. power. <laughs> Scott, Scott Lease, we should do an episode with all the Scots. Oh and God. I'll just ask, and I'll just ask a bunch of questions of you. Hey, and Scott. you can just say, "Hey, Scott." Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Scott. And then I'll let the, the four of you battle it out um, for for dominance of the microphones. <laughs> Whatever Scott but, Lee Scott, says, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so, Scott Ingram, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, we'd love to just sort of start with some, with some background. I gave you people a little bit of context of of the things you're working on, but can you share a little bit more about what you're doing specifically, just so they have an understanding as we have this conversation today as to, to where your experience is coming from. Yeah, let's, let's talk about present day. And if you want to dig into history, I'm, I'm happy to do that. So I, my day job, I carry a $3 million quota. I work for a professional services firm that works predominantly with large, uh, all of my clients are, are Fortune 500 companies who are using the Oracle Marketing Cloud. So I am a legacy Eloquin. Uh, I went to work for Eloqua before they went public. So rode that, uh, rode that particular company through their IPO. We were public for one quarter and then we were acquired by Oracle. And that was kind of the beginning of what today is the Oracle Marketing Cloud. And they've made a, quite a number of other acquisitions that kind of fit into that. Fit into that. And they were my, my favorite implementation partner when I was selling Eloqua. So fast forward a few years, I, I joke that this is as close as I can be to Eloqua without having to work for Oracle. It's just too, way too big of an organization for me. I joined Eloqua, we were about 300 people and I woke up one day and was working for Larry Ellison and 130,000 other people. So uh, this, this is a great, great spot for me. And then about three and a half years ago, mostly out of a frustration, I've consumed so much sales content over the course of my career. I've always been kind of a student of the craft and I, I recognize, I'm like, you know what, all the guys that, well, not all of them, because Scott, you, you did a, a good job of, of writing a book from a, a very current perspective, but a lot of the content that I was reading was written by folks who probably hadn't had a quota in 
on average some number of decades. And I thought, you know what, I just, I want to hear from the people who are killing it right now. What are the very best doing in, in this environment? And that's where the Sales Success Stories podcast was born. And I only interview active quota carrying individual contributors who are either the number one top performer, uh, or I joke, I'm willing to settle for the top 1%. So if somebody's number two on a team of 500, I'll, I'll take that. That's, that's pretty close. So there's, there's been yeah, a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, there's, yeah. Richard, we can't hear you. Said I, I said, I said that I, I guess that's why I've never been on it and I won't take offense to it. <laughs> yeah. you, and Scott, you also um, put together an event. I do. I do. So, yeah. So there's been a lot of things that have started to get to spin off of, from that podcast and from those relationships. So every year here in Austin, the next one's coming up in October, we do the sales success summit and it's the same kind of thing. It's a very intimate event, a couple hundred people uh, and every single person on the stage is one of those folks that have been on the podcast. So they're, they're real sellers. And what's so cool is it's just, it, we're all learning from each other, right? There's, there's no extra agenda. None of us are, are trying to sell books or training or, or consulting or anything else. It's, really just, hey, we're, we've, we're all busy carrying bags and trying to figure out how to get better at what we do every single day. And it's, it's really just incredible what comes out of that, uh, that experience. You, you use the word that, um, that I've been using to describe, um, you know, our surf and sales events. And, and that word was intimate. But yeah. I, I use it in the context of, look, we've got, you know, 20 people, right? And you use it in the context of a couple hundred. Yeah. So, Talk, talk to me a little bit about that, right? Obviously, 20 is more intimate than 300, 400 people. But <clears throat> conceptually, you know, I think we're, we're on the same page that these smaller kind of events and, and the more intimate kind of experiential type gatherings um, are more valuable and more important than, you know, a 100,000 person, you know, convention center get together, right? Um, so, so Elaborate on, on your thought process around, you know, the, the power and the impact of, of the smaller, more micro conference type events. Yeah, lo love that question. I, in almost everything I do and the way I think about so many things, I, I think that in almost all cases, quality trumps quantity. And, you know, when, when I think about who I want to spend time with, it's, it's not about having thousands of people in the audience and everybody just kind of sitting in rows and, and uh, absorbing. It's, it's really about having an experience and having conversations. And I, I think when, when we think about events, and it's something that I've done a lot because prior to this, this current role, I worked for an event marketing technology company. So I was selling a platform to CA Technologies to run CA World. And I was selling this platform to AT&T to run Pebble Beach. And I was, uh, you know, it was because I wanted to learn this space and big events are fine, but I think there's so much more power in really finding the people that want to be there that, that have this really strong desire and seek out this type of growth and this type of learning. And I, I talk a lot when, when you think about the value of events there's two things. It's the content, which is the obvious thing and the one that people sort of think about and, and what they promote, like, oh, here's our speakers and here's the things we're going to talk about. But the other element, the other dynamic that is often overlooked is the connections. Who are you going to meet? 
who, who's going to be your next mentor? Who are you going to be able to collaborate with and just build even kind of mastermind type of relationships with? And I, I think about the traditional event, if you look at the half-life of, hey, I went to this event, I got all psyched up and, and you know, that the pace at which that wears off is extraordinary, you know, to, to the point where like a week later, you're back to doing what you were doing before. Yeah, yeah I, call, I call that the sunburn effect. Yeah, there you go. That's exactly it. Like it wears off pretty quick. Like you, you might need some aloe that first day. Like it's, it's really intense, <laughs> but, but it's, it's gone in, in, in a week. And so I, I really look for how do we create something that's much longer lasting? How do we make sure that the right people in the room? And, and I, it's funny, I, I kind of downsell that event. You know, I, I don't want to convince somebody to come because if, if you take convincing, you're not my people. Like you, I don't really want you there. You know, it's, it's, and what's fascinating to me is the people who sign up the fastest are the people who are on the podcast who I explain what's going on. And a lot of times before we're even done recording, I've got a payment in, in my PayPal account because they, it's the people who need it the least that seek it out the most. And, and they're at the top because they've always done this. This is the way that they have developed themselves and invested in themselves and sought out those experiences, that type of content, and, and really sought to surround themselves with other people like themselves. And that's the challenge with being number one. You don't have anybody to go look up to inside your own company. So you have to go look outside and, and find people who are going to continue to challenge you and push you to, to find another level, even when you're already at the, at the quote unquote top level. Yeah, we call it's interesting because I, I love, you know, Scott's analogy of the sunburn effect and your point about the aloes that the thing that we seem to strive for the most. And even if, even if I go to a big event, right, even if I do go to Dreamforce or something, I call it the in-between moments, right? It's, yeah. it's the conversations you have in between that last a whole lot more than the content, right? Exactly. You know, if you can walk away with one or two content things that you can approach, that's pretty good. But you walk away, you know, from surf and sales, you walk away with 15 friends, right? We've got a surf and sales mastermind group uh, that's now from all four of our sessions. And there's about 40 of us in it where we just still share stories or share, you know, thoughts and things. And sometimes we'll joke about what happened at Surf and Sail. And we keep that connection there, uh, which is really, really important. So I, I love how you've been able to sort of take that concept and also expand it a little bit by use of your podcast and sort of to your point, you know, the top one percenters already know to sign up because that's how they get better by listening to other one percenters. And hopefully people listening will sort of grasp that and sort of, you know, take that as a huge takeaway from this is to make those efforts. So I love that you're doing that. So yeah, well, the, the thing that you guys are doing even better than me, but something that I'm super intentional about is it's also the experience, right? We, we connect with people through shared experience. And, and so, you know, the things that I'm doing in, in my event are we hosted at the Alamo draft house. So it's in a, it's in a full service movie theater. Like when was the last time you went to an event in a movie theater? So the presentations are on, on a giant screen. There's people bringing you food, right? to your seat so you don't have to go do the cattle call buffet line thing and it creates more of that opportunity to have those in between meetings and then I also recognize we are uh, uh, antsy people we're, we're not very good at sitting still for for very long so I never do more than 90 minutes of content in a row before we've got 30 minutes to process right like talk to other people and then man we're in Austin 
So we load people up on buses and we make that part of the experience and we, we put beverages on the buses and, and we drive people down to the Salt Lake and we have some great barbecue and have that experience together and we have a great after party experience together. It, it's, those, it's those experiential elements. Now, I'm not taking people to Costa Rica and taking them surfing. So again, you, you kind of one-upped me there, but those elements are so important rather than, hey, do you remember that shared boring conference experience that we had at Name XYZ Expo thing that we went to? Like, they're, they all run together. There's no differentiation. Feel, feel free to run a contest, Scott. Ingram. <laughs> Scott Ingram. You know, you know, someone gets a raffle ticket to go to Surf and Sales that, that of course, you end up sponsoring. So we're happy to take that person. We'll just, mer- we'll just merge the two events together and have a 300-person surf trip. That's um, awesome. That's <laughs> When this is when this is all over, everybody will be so desperate to go somewhere and do something. We might be able to have that many people come. <laughs> I tell you what. Although what's crazy is for for a couple of years now, I've been working towards this idea. I'm no longer working toward this idea. I had I had this concept of what I call the President's Club cruise. So this idea of like a cooperative President's Club because the last two companies I worked for have been too small to have President's Club. Like it'd, it'd be awkward to send Scott and Tom <laughs> on a, on a trip by themselves, right? So why why couldn't we bring smaller companies together to do this experience? Right now, the cruise idea is feeling not so good. Yeah. I'm not getting but, on a boat. No, 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 <laughs> that you may never get back off of again. Can, can we talk about this for, for a little bit, the kind of pre- current situation? And uh, I hope you don't mind me sharing a little bit of what we talked about offline. But um, yeah, yeah, happy you, to talk. You were able to successfully bring in some business over the course of, of, of this week, actually. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, Everywhere you turn, you know, people are freaking out, trying to figure out, should I call? Should I email? Should I sell? What do I do? And all this. Um, so as somebody who's got a big quota right now, and you're selling to the Fortune 500 right now, which is, you know, probably scrambling like, like everybody else. Like, what, what are you doing right now? What is your mindset to continue to be successful um, and productive? And it obviously is working for you because you, you closed some business this week. A good yeah. chunk of business. Yeah, let, and let's, let me kind of contextualize that in, in a couple of ways. So, you know, in a lot of ways, I'm very fortunate in most of the accounts I work with are ongoing relationships, right? So there's, there's not a lot of net new in what I'm doing. However, um, this week, so we're talking on a Thursday, the first full week of April. Uh, and so far this week, I've closed $189,000 across four different deals. And, and I'm not done yet. I've got another couple that I'm hoping to bring in this, this week. Um, one of those uh, is a new division uh, within one of those within one of those companies, so it's it's new-ish. Uh, and then another is kind of a restart, uh, a, a, another division of a different organization, uh, one that's been in the news quite a bit here lately, uh, who used to do a lot more work with us. They've been paired back a lot. And I, again, I'm in a very fortunate place. I've been talking with uh, my boss about this for the last year, um, recognizing at some point the market is going to turn. We're going to have another recession. Now, we didn't anticipate this by, by any stretch, but we know things don't ever go up forever. And we've been thinking about and talking about what, what does our situation, what is our experience in a downturn? And it's good to be in services uh, in, in this scenario because uh, one of those clients that I actually, this is one of the, the open deals. We had a conversation yesterday and they have taken it on across the board uh, 20%, they, they've asked everybody in the organization to take a 20% pay cut 
and to work 20% less. That's the way that they've decided to weather the storm. But the amount of work doesn't reduce decrease by 20%. And so they're having to lean harder on firms like us to kind of pick up that slack and, and help them do that. So some of this is, is a little bit just kind of fortunate based on the, on the circumstances. But what I've been doing and, and the reason I've been able to pull this together is I've been saying for the last three weeks now, there is no such thing as too many conversations. And I have found it is easier than it has ever been to talk to my executive stakeholders because they're not in wall-to-wall -wall meetings like their normal schedule is. They, they have a little bit more bandwidth. And if you're thoughtful, the other thing that I've been trying to do, and, and man, I'm not as good at this as I thought I would be. Um, I, you know, I would do my research and do a little bit of due diligence and look at, okay, how is their stock performing? What is their business? What are the likely impacts to them during this time? How are they likely to be reacting? And I would bring some opinion and a, a, an idea or two. And, and some of it was, I just would sort of share my guess and ask them to validate or confirm or deny or educate me. Um, and I, I had one of the best conversations. I mean, it was, it was I have a, an incredible relationship with a, a very, very senior, I'm trying to figure out how, uh, uh, maybe I'll just name the company. There's, there's only a couple thousand people who listen to this, right? <laughs> so look, I, I have that was one of my, I can't tell if that was a compliment or just backhanded slap or what. No, no, I, I'm just, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to balance. Okay. Here, I, I have a, a very senior stakeholder that I work with. And, and again, it's, it goes back to relationship that I've been able to build over a long period of time, because at this point, he's pretty removed, probably two steps removed from the work that we do with his marketing team on a day-to-day -day basis. But we've got this great relationship. We, we have maintained, and I've even called him out on it. I'm like, why, why do we still have this monthly cadence call? because we don't really need to do it. And, and I, I, he paid me a giant compliment. So you know what, I, I just enjoy talking with you, right? Like you challenge my thinking, I always get something out of it. Um, and so we've continued that and he was one, I'll just say it's a very, very diversified organization. There are parts of that business that are very much in the news. They're producing uh, uh, products that are very, very, very much in demand. But at the same time, there's other parts of their business because they're so diversified that, you know, they're working with oil and gas and they're, and they're just twiddling their thumbs. And so I, I went in with that with some point of view and, and some thoughts about what was going on. And he gave me this just incredible education about their business at a deeper level and what this was meaning to them. And, you know, just, he said, you know, the bright spots in our business, they're as bright as they can get. We've got them turned up as high as they can go. And for us to do more, it takes us 12 months to stand up another production line. We, we can't, do it any better or go any faster than, than we already are. And then we're starting to talk about the executive and board level decisions that are being made and how they're starting to position and, and, how, that's, and how that's going. The, the point of all this is having all of those conversations 
and, and just listening really well, having some thoughts. If, if there were places that I could add some value or some ideas that I could bring from other clients and other, because here's the more of these conversations you have, the more value that you can add to the next conversation, because I can talk about, Hey, I just talked with this guy over at this company and here's what they're doing. Here's how they're seeing this. Are you guys reacting that way? Or are you taking a different tact? And through that process of having those conversations, understanding how they're positioning, thinking about, okay, given that dynamic, how do we support you through this time? How do I reposition and tweak my offering and, and come up with something that's, and again, the value of professional services, I can do sort of anything, right? I'm not stuck into my product as X, Y, and Z, and, and it costs this and that. I'm able to be crazy flexible in what we're able to do and meet them where they are. And it's, it's, been, it's been extraordinary. We're, we're just very well positioned and had the relationships and all these things to be able to make it work. So Scott, I have, a, I have a question for you. Well, two questions. One is, because I agree with you, you can have more of these conversations. One is, what the hell have these people been putting on their calendar for all these years? <laughs> totally. That is, has all of a sudden gone away because they still got to talk to marketing and product development and, and, you know, and still, you know, so what are they finally realizing to cut? What fat have they cut? And then the second thing is, and I'd love for you to challenge some people. I'd love for you to ask them, you know, you're easier to get a hold of now than I've ever experienced. What are you going to do moving forward to make that better for you? Not for people like me, you know, you know but it seems like you have more time, which you're having these better conversations. So what do you think they've been doing all this fucking time? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they know what they've been doing. I mean, it, it's, it's just the, no, they don't. no, they don't That's the, because all of a sudden they don't, I, 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 this is the part I would want you to challenge them. I was like, I would just literally say to them, what have you been doing that's prevented these conversations before? And when yeah. this all goes back to being in the office, are you going to let any of that bullshit get back in the way again? Totally. I mean, it, it, it's the corporate trap. I mean, this, this is the, the meetings just kind of proliferate. The world is going to look the way that we do business, the way that we operate. This is, there's going to be a lot of really positive outcomes that come from this. I, I you know, hopefully, you know, I, people are going to react in different ways, but I think people are going to realize, you know what, I can trust my people to do the right thing. They can work from wherever they need to work from as long as they're getting the work done. Do these meetings that I'm in all the freaking time, do we actually need them? I mean, we talked about that before, but are people really challenging it and really pushing back on it and, and taking the time to have the, the meaningful conversations. I, you know, the other thing I can't predict, I, I don't know what this is going to mean for business travel in, in the future. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure we'll be doing less. I, I think we'll think harder about that too, because that, that's another thing. It was so easy to jump on a plane before. Did we really need to do that? But I think, I think the opposite's actually going to happen, you know, because I don't, I don't trust the American human condition right? We're going to all end up in the back in the office and we're going to be like, okay, we need to have a meeting. I haven't been face to face with somebody in so long, right? I, I need a body and a presence. Um, so on the other hand, you know, th those will be the two things. And it'll be interesting to see what the success of those options are for people, right? Will they eliminate the stuff that doesn't matter as much as they thought? Will they trust their teams more to just get the job done? Will the, or will they all of a sudden just re-embrace this stuff. And before they know it, they're going to be right back where they were, you know, January of 2020. 
Um, well, and, it, I mean, it, at the very least, it's a it's a forcing function to get you to think and reevaluate. And that's what we're all doing right now. We're reevaluating our structures and our processes and the way that we work and the way that we operate. And that's going to continue. At some point, though, we're whatever it is, we're going to settle back into the normal thing. I mean, the sunburn effect is, is going to come into play with this too, right? It, it, there there are certain just natural just gravity. You know, the, the momentum is going to take us back. The, the trick is, and I love that you're talking about challenging people around this, is to continue to poke at it and continue to be thoughtful about it. And that's our job as sales professionals. Yeah. Why are you doing it that way? Is that the best way? Does that make the most sense? That's our job. Yeah, I'm, I'm less concerned about, I'm less concerned about, you know, the travel side of it. I think the commercial real estate side will take a big hit. People are going to realize. Oh God, you have no idea. This, you know they'll still want the office space, but I think that office space will turn into generic desks, more conference rooms so that they can have more face-to-face when they want them, right? It, you know, to a certain extent, do offices turn their, do businesses turn their offices into a mini WeWork, right? Where yeah. they can come in and just create space and take space, but you don't have to show up every day. So it'd be interesting on the real estate side. The other group that I think I was telling my wife about this, you know who's going to really come out ahead in this thing are the teacher unions, right? The teacher unions are going to be like, okay, we're not showing up. We'll, we'll talk to you in three weeks after you do your homeschooling, right? Like, because there's not a parent in the world who's going to be like, uh, please pay those more. Don't pay them less. Like, it's going to be those right. are the people that are really going to come out. Uh, hopefully, if they can take the business mind and 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 stick to it. So, but I'll I'll stop because I know Mr. Lease has a question. For, for you as well. Uh, I was <clears throat> I was thinking about the the real estate situation that you were talking about, and I was thinking about how the problem in San Francisco, at least, is that there's no space, so there's no housing for anybody. But there's all these commercial buildings. Well, if so many companies no longer need commercial office space like that, all these commercial properties could potentially be reinvented as you know. Well, they'll be back. I mean, I have a friend who actually works. I've got a friend who works for you know probably a fortune 50 company in real estate. He manages their commercial real estate and a lot of new buildings. What they're doing is they're starting to build them in ways that they can be turned into garages. Right. So that when you, when the car goes, they can easily convert because there'll be business on one level, resident on another parking garage, but also that parking garage will be for, for, for the, for the lifts and the Ubers who have the automated car that you order, you know, you order a car, just like a taxi to come take you somewhere. Well, that car has got to be parked somewhere. Right. And so that's where they're, that's their, you know, 10 year plan of where these, how to reconvert these new buildings that are being built. Cause it'll be interesting to see what happens because all that's going to shift. Right. Nobody's driving as much as they used to. Right. Like that's the other industries can be hit. Like we all kind of realize, like, I don't need to go to the store three times a day. <laughs> Well, that, that dynamic is changing so much. I, I heard earlier this week that there's a, there's a place in Texas where uh, gas hit 99 cents a gallon. And I started thinking, at what point does it make economic sense for me to buy gasoline, put it in a generator to charge my Tesla? Wow. <laughs> it's crazy. What part of Texas is that, Scott? We need to make a road trip and stock up on Yeah, <laughs> I can't, I can't, Now you ask me. I, can't I, haven't seen, I haven't seen that price since I was in high school. That's yeah, what I was thinking. Isn't, isn't that the Kramer effect where, where Kramer and Newman took all the bottles to recycle and they had to figure out, you know, 
how far they could drive with all the bottles in the in the back of the the, the mail truck to to make it viable. Yeah, make yeah. it viable. Yeah, there's, there's an there's an Aggie joke in there about, you know, if you if you break even selling watermelons, you know, you just need a bigger truck to sell twice as many watermelons. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, you uh, very consciously, you and I have talked about this before, but, you know, very consciously, like you decided not to go the sales leadership, traditional sales leadership route, I should say, you're certainly a, a sales leader in your in your own right. But, you know, you're not managing 200 sales reps and 50,000 SDRs and all the other things that that sales leaders manage. And what's interesting to me is how many people feel like they have no option to advance or kind of move up other than to go into sales leadership. And, uh, you know, you, you're trailblazing the path um, that a lot of people could follow, right? You're, you've got a huge quota, you work with Fortune 500 companies, you successfully <clears throat> run, you know, a couple different businesses, what the pod called the podcast, a business, the, the summit, a business, right? You, you've got this events that you do, you know, virtually you've written a couple books. Um, what, what do you, how, what do you say to, to people out there who, you know, might be thinking, well, I maybe do I just want to be an individual contributor my, my whole life? Is that going to be fulfilling enough? I don't know that I really want to be a VP of sales one day. Um, you, you've kind of, got a great model going. So I wonder what you might say to people out there who are trying to figure out where to go next. Yeah, man, you're, you're on top of the really good questions. So this is something I have really intentionally dug into a lot, really both of the last two sales success summits. You know, we, we've done the other two full day events and kind of the second half of the second day on both of those, I just did a series of panels to talk through the, the choices and the different paths that, that are sales. And I'll, I'll say right here, um, because I, I want to get the word out uh, about this. Um, during this time that we're all under house arrest, I've decided to make all of the content from those sales success summits uh, available for free. Awesome. So if, yeah, if, if you join the, the listener list at top1.fm, just shoot me a note to that welcome email. Usually I offer one video. Um, I'll just send you, I'll send you access codes to get all of it. Um, and and we, again, we, we dug into it a lot there. I didn't realize I coined the term. I, I, it's funny, I, I Googled this in quotes at some point pretty early on and there were like 17 references on Google. And, and if there's 17 references, that means it didn't exist. And it's this idea of an intentional individual contributor, which is, which is what I consider myself. And it, it was really, it's a lifestyle choice, right? I mean, I, I saw the path. I, I know what the sales leadership path looks like. Um, and I, I feel like it's a, I mean, Scott, you have a lot more experience here, but I, I think it's one of those things where you have to go through a process and really pay your dues again uh, and do the really hard work of being a frontline manager. And over time, you know, as, as you uh, become a chief revenue officer and get to the highest, the highest levels and, and, you know, now that if you can get into the right organizations, the stock options and things like that really become meaningful again. But again, though, to your point, the one, the path that we're not thinking about is, hey, if I'm just a really good sales guy, why not double down on that? Why not, why not get into a position where I can really maximize my earnings, get into a space where I love what I'm selling, I love the clients that I'm selling to. I often joke that, I mean, I, as an individual contributor, I have total control over my schedule. And when I do what I do, 
I already have two children. I don't want to deal with six or eight more uh, that, that I would be dealing with in sort of that first frontline manager type of type of a role. So again, it was just a very, very thoughtful, very intentional. And I have always thought of myself as someone who leads from the field, right? I am a sales leader, but I don't need the title to be able to have a bigger impact, an outsized impact. And, and that's really one of my driving values, right? It's, it's that impact to my family, to my community, to my company, to my clients. I can have a massive impact sitting in this role in the way that I'm able to influence what we do as a marketing organization, what we do as a product organization, what we do as a services organization. All of those different pieces um, is, is all possible. And for, for me, frankly, it's easier to do without the title and all of the other responsibility that, that comes with it. Because I'm in okay. control. I got a question for you. So I, I love what you said. You know, you don't want to be a frontline manager. How old are your kids? Twelve and fourteen. Twelve and fourteen. Okay, so 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 both Scott and I will be coming to you for advice over the next few years. Um, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so so let, let me ask. So Scott and I had a, a fun conversation in a happy hour with with our wives, and I think we should do it again. But you know, you know, how do your wives? How does your wife? Your wives? How does your wife and kids? Uh, appreciate the talent and skill you bring as a frontline manager to the family. <laughs> it, is, it is not my greatest skill. Any of them to help answer this question. Like, yeah, you know. no, oh my gosh. Uh, you, you know, it's, it is not my greatest skill. I mean, it, it's also sort of a recognition of, I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at. Honestly, this time I feel I, I have learned more about managing in the last month than I have in the last couple of years. And, you know, it's just this homeschooling thing I, I posted. I was, I was joking, but not really. I said, you know, I think there's a lot more yelling on behalf of both the students and the teachers in a homeschooling environment than there is in a traditional classroom, right? But here's, here's what's different. It's less, it's less about managing, right? It's more about <laughs> influence. Like I've had, well, to, I've had to work on my influential skills more than my management skills because people sure. don't, because they just don't recognize my brilliance in the management skills <laughs> in this environment. So, yeah, you know, he, but here's, here's been the enlightening part because for the first couple of weeks uh, where we were kind of on our own, my wife and I uh, built a, built a schedule and, and we tried to kind of empower them a little bit and, and allow them to have input into what their schedule was. So it wasn't us dictating, it was them sort of choosing. And, and, uh, you know, it, it's easier for me to hold you accountable to what you decided you were going to do versus me holding you accountable to what I said you were going to do. Nobody, like nobody likes management. that. Exactly. exactly. The, right. I, the parallels here are, are ridiculous, but then the school system came back in and what I've seen them do that made me just smack my forehead is we had like a pretty regimented, pretty full, I mean, there was like six hours of work and it was from nine to 10, you do this, and 10 to 11, you do this. And there were just, there wasn't a lot of breaks and there was a lot there. They've been doing sort of this like playlist kind of idea. They're like, look, here's the stuff that you can do. And here's kind of the bare minimum. And if you're an overachiever, here's the extra things you can do. And now they're in control and they choose when they do it and how fast they do it and how quickly they're able to get to the things that they'd rather be doing. My house is so quiet and peaceful right now. I'm like, man, when, when you enable people and you trust them to do the work, it's amazing what happens. It's, it's, goes, simp it's stupid, simple stuff, right? Which goes back to what you said earlier about, you know, managers are going to trust their employees. 
they're not going to care it. if they're in the office, right? It's the exact same thing. But the, the irony of it all is that we as humans and maybe it's the father part of us, right? And how we were conditioned. to Yes. There's a different management style that I grew up in. You know, like we're like, oh, wow, how novel a concept for parenting, you know? And it's like, you've kind of known this, you know, idiot, stupid. So, (laughs) But, But Scott, you have two girls, do you not? I do. Yeah. This is why his house is more peaceful. (laughs) I can <laughs> that my totally agree. Totally my agree. Ten and twelve-year-old boy is significantly right. less peaceful. Yes, right I, I agree with Scott Leach on this. I, I yes. How, however, we are entering the teenager stage, which is very, very interesting in my world these days. But all, but all <laughs> I hear about, all I hear about the teenager stage is that you know they sort of go into their room at about the age of thirteen, and they don't come out till they're about seventeen, right? Yeah, you, you know what, a, a friend quiet. of mine. A friend of mine had some great, great advice around this, and it's it's specific to girls. But he said, and what's funny is the first time he told me, I only remembered the first half of what he said. And it took a second conversation for him to remind me of the second part. He said, you know, there's something that happens with girls when they, when they turn about 13, they get abducted by aliens and replaced with some other being for some number of years. And that was the first part that I remembered. And we came back and I was like, dude, I see it. This is ridiculous. Maybe I need to like leave for a while and just come back. And he said, no, you forgot the second part. The second part is the aliens bring them back uh, about the time they turn 16, which is why they call it the sweet 16. And he said, but you have to be there. So if you weren't there through that challenging period, then you've got real problems because they won't come back to you. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, you just keep, you just keep working through it. You know, it's, it's like anything challenging that we've got going on in our lives, right? It, you can't, you can't stop. You can't walk away from it. You, you just got to dig into that's it really, and freaking really, do really, it. That's really interesting. It makes me think about how companies are treating their employees during all of this stuff and you know whether it's people being laid off or furloughed or reduction in in salary and hours and all that will those people be willing to go back if they were if they didn't feel seen or appreciated during you know this particular period of time there's there's one company that i can think of who um laid off a couple hundred people in a not in a fairly callous kind of manner in my opinion and um I'm just thinking like, who's ever going to want to go work for that company again? Because all of those stories from those three to 400 people are going to circulate everywhere. That's got to be like pretty well, bad. Glass door, right? Yeah, the pretty bad brand, you know, reputation yeah. damage, right? So you got to, it's an interesting analogy the way you phrase it about how you got to be there through all the, the difficult times, all the, the hard stuff, all the alien years before you get to, you know, get back to some of the, some of the sweet, some of the good times. Well, do do you mind if I step up on a soapbox here for a minute? Go for it, man. So uh, yeah, I've been meaning to write about this or I've been kind of looking for the right forum to, to talk about this. So, you know, here, here we are in this situation we don't know how it's going to resolve. And it's, it's something unlike we've ever seen before, right? This, this is what we're going through right now is, global. There, there's no country that's not affected. Every country, every company is, is being impacted by this. 
here's what I hope happens. I, I think this can go one of two ways. What I hope people realize is this is not a time to be worried about maximizing profit, right? And, and letting people go and seeing your people as expendable. I think this is a time where you have to recognize the very most important asset that you have in your business is your people. And everybody's going through this right now. Everybody's earnings and revenue and everything else is going to be impacted. It is what it is. People are going to forgive you for that. What I hope that we'll do is do everything that we possibly can to keep everybody employed and with dollars coming in so that they can keep the roof over their head and they can keep feeding their families and just... Yeah, I mean, it, it resets your, your mindset around all of this. Like, I'm, I, I, I was taking some things for granted. I'm so grateful that I just have basic stuff and, and that I'm in a really solid, stable place. I work for a good company that, that is not going anywhere. And I know because I've seen them do this in the past, they're going to put the people first. I hope we reward those companies that take that approach, that do anything and everything they can to take care of their people, no matter what, even if it hurts. And we punish the companies that as soon as they have the excuse, just yeah. cut people loose in a time where, are you kidding me? Finding a job right now when, you know, in the last three weeks, what, 15 million people have filed for unemployment? Come on. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, that is the wrong thing to do. Like now is that I think the truest test of leadership that we've ever seen in my generation, in my lifetime to see like, how do people react? And do you do this positively? And do you do the right thing? Or are you a freaking schmuck? And if you're a schmuck, you need to pay for it. Amen. I'm all, I'll step I'm, down here now. For, I'm here for that. Sign <laughs> me up. I'm, I'm here. I'm here for Ingram's revolution, man. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're, almost at, we're, we're almost out of time, Scott. Talk to us about, uh, you know, what we can do to help you and, and, and some of your, you know, initiatives and everything that you have going on. We always try to end the show by, you know, just a small gesture of doing what we can to, to get back and, and help support uh, our guests. So, yeah, well, let me let me lay out the the smorgasbord. I appreciate you you giving me that that opportunity. I mean, all all of this extra work, all this side hustle thing for me, like it's it's not about the money, right? This is I, I've been extraordinarily uh, lucky in in my career and have had some great success, and and I, I really have a need to give back and pay it forward, especially right now. Um, so lots of ways to to access the different things that I'm doing. So we talked about Civil Success Stories podcast at the beginning, very deep dive, long form interviews. About a year ago, I realized the two best things about that show are also the two worst things about it. So one, my criteria is pretty strict. So Scott, when you come to me and say, hey, Scott, I've got this amazing thing I want to talk about on your podcast, I have to say no, which sucks. So I, I wanted to create a, a more open forum. And those episodes are really long. The, the last episode I just released was with Sarah Brazier. She's the top SDR at Gong. Uh, that episode was two hours and two minutes. So that's a little much uh, for, for a lot of folks. So I, I created the exact opposite show exactly 446 days ago. Uh, that is the Daily Sales Tips podcast. And I know that because we're at episode 440 something. Uh, and it's just that. Five. I can't even remember what episode we're on. I always have what? to ask you. Well, I, I can't remember on Sales Success Stories what episode I'm on, but I, I can remember that one because it happens every stinking day. So, you know, and, and it's, it's just bite-sized, right? It's, it's really designed to get a lot of ideas out there. And, and right now we're sourcing really hard. I, I, I kind of challenged the community to 
talk to me about what you're doing that's actually working. I'm, I'm getting really tired of, of here's what you should be doing and, and all of this type of advice. I'm like, forget that. I want to hear what you're doing that's driving real meaningful results. And, and whether, that's, whether that's revenue or it's just making your life better, right? I think we need to be a little bit more uh, open about that. So anyway, that's, that's what's going on. We talked about the Sales Success Summit. Uh, there are a couple of books. So the Sales Success Stories books, uh, the, the B2B Sales Mentors, those are collections of stories from the folks that, that I've interviewed on the podcast. And then Scott, you were a, a part of this big, uh, I think we're calling it finding sales success on LinkedIn. It's 108 tips from 36 LinkedIn sales stars. And it's, it's the people who I, I took a different lens in the way that I looked at the outward success on LinkedIn. And, and it's not about how many followers you have. It's really about the engagement. If, if you're driving good engagement in general, that says to me, that you're putting good, valuable stuff out there and, and you're driving good, productive uh, conversation. So all of that stuff is, is free. If that one, if you go to top1.fm forward slash LinkedIn sales stars, but in general, if you go to top1.fm, that'll pretty much get you everywhere. You'll find the podcasts, you'll find the event, you'll, you'll find all the stuff. And like I said, right now, if, if you listen to this while we're still under house arrest, um, then you know, sign up for for the the newsletter, and I'll send you all of the videos from from the summits. There's there's some there's some gold in there. I usually sell that stuff for a couple hundred bucks, but right now is the time to give it away. I just love the fact that I'm still number one, number 140 on the top LinkedIn people because I didn't I didn't quite make the list. So, but you know, as Scott, <laughs> we're, we're was, gonna we're gonna be keep updating that list. I I, I created a special and, model for that, so it's uh Scott in, in the next big pass. We'll get there. As Scott Lethal test, I'm the one who gives Scott these wonderful ideas, and then he goes and sort of exemplifies <laughs> them by 10x, and then takes all the credit. Amen. You know, I, I talked about this the other day, but the uh, the the delta between idea and action is really really important. Yes. Right. So, yes. I mean, it yes. Doesn't, it doesn't always work to your advantage, but oftentimes it does. <laughs> it does. It does. It does. And, and, you know, I mean, mindsets are such a big topic right now. And you know what you want to fix your mindset, get into action. It, it action comes first, like action drives your, your mentality. It's not the other way around. It's another, not hyping yourself another, up to do the action. Yeah. No, another famous Scott, Scott Barker, uh, when he came to our surf and sales summit, um, and, and it really struck me was he just said, you got to say yes to everything. Hmm. And for me, because I'm naturally inclined to be skeptical, that's been really helpful. Like I've, I've instituted that a lot, particularly since we've been under house arrest of like, I just need to say yes, like yeah. stop worrying about it so much and just do it. So yep. um, that's one of the things to, to your point earlier about trying to figure out what's working for people as opposed to what you should do. <clears throat> um, I, I would say that me saying yes, basically to everything right now is working for me. Yeah. It's, I can absolutely bring it back to revenue. Number one, I can absolutely bring it back to increased uh, relations, new relationships that are turning into and spawning ideas that have brought about action like this, um, uh, this website that we spun up called Skill Up that kind of talks, it's like a TV guide, if you will, this shows all the virtual events happening and where they are and who's there and all this kind of stuff. So um, that saying yes to everything, and just trying to get out there as much as possible um, is working. It's also super challenging because, you know, you, you, you keep having these virtual events for the LinkedIn, you know, sales gurus or whatever, whatever. Right. And I, I'm like, damn it, I'm already booked that time. So I'm on my calendar is like a mess, but it, it's working right, right now, at least exactly. for me. 
That's now. it. Yeah. I totally, totally agree. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, well, for joining, thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate your time. As always, you do so many, um, you know, wonderful things for this, the sales community. So um, keep up the good work, man. We're here to support you. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Scott. We really appreciate it. Pleasure.